All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucksters? What's happening? It's Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. Welcome. Welcome to it. Welcome back. Hey, it's you again. What's happening? I am, uh, as you can tell, perhaps maybe maybe you can you know hear the difference. I am doing this from, uh, uh, what, what do we call it? I'm on the road. I've got my, uh, I've got my Zoom rig and my Beta 58s and my little cords. And uh, I'm in a hotel room in Boulder, Colorado. I'm recording this on Sunday before the Monday that most of you will hear this. Maybe the people in the next room will hear it before you. Perhaps the people in the hallway. Uh, I heard some of them out there. I don't know. It seems okay. Sound seems okay. Today on the show, I talked to Rob Lowe. He came by the new situation over at the house, came upstairs, walked past the bedrooms into the back second bedroom there, and uh, we tucked in and did the thing. He was actually the, um, the first person that I interviewed in that environment, and I, I think it went pretty well. Pretty together fella, that Rob Lowe. Good talk. Nice to meet him. Yeah, solid dude. But I was in Aspen, and if you were following my story and my panic and my apprehension about my shows in Aspen, I can tell you it turned out better than uh, anticipated. And I, I learned some things, too. I learned that, uh, that not, the fears that I talked about uh, on the last show were there. You know, certainly the PTSD from several sort of strained, difficult shows over the years at the uh, Aspen Comedy Festival. But I, I, I actually realized it went deeper. I went, it went deeper, and I think I might have touched on this a little bit, but the, uh, the PTSD from my childhood and ski vacations with my family, I think, was more at the core of it, and I didn't realize that until driving in. Just the, the only time my family would really get together and spend any time together for any period of time was on those ski vacations, and we didn't know each other that well. We were all in the same house, but you know, kind of self-absorbed into our own thing, and when we all got together in the car, it could get pretty gnarly. Yeah, we'd listen to fun music. You know, my dad had eight tracks. He had Hocus Pocus. He had uh, Abbey Road. He had the soundtrack of American Graffiti. He had Buddy Holly's greatest hits. That was all pretty good. But when it really got down to it, in a hotel room, four people don't know each other that well. A couple of younger people that really have to defer to the older people who are also nuts and selfish. It could get a little ugly. And I think I had forgotten just how bad those vacations were. Most of the days were ruined around a glove or perhaps a hat or why didn't we bring those socks that I like? My dad would uh, go crazy over things like that and usually before the ski day started, uh, at least one of us was crying, whether it be my mother, my brother, or me. Uh, Maybe all of us were crying and then he'd find the socks or he'd find the hat or he'd get past it and we'd hit the slopes. But uh, not great memories. I do remember one ski trip where, I don't know, me and my family, me and my, my brother wasn't on it for some reason, and it was me and my mother and father, and I declared that I, I wish they were more like my friend Eric's parents, and then uh, my dad uh, yelled, maybe you should go fucking live with Eric, and then my mom was crying, my dad was crying, I was crying, and I'm not sure that ever resolved itself now that I think about it, but that was a ski trip, but I'm okay. I got to Aspen, and I eventually, you know, made my way into town, walked around and realized what a ridiculous fantasy land it is. Just the the, the class strata of Aspen is kind of uh, 
I wouldn't say disturbing, but extreme. I mean, you you literally have some of the richest people in the world that have houses there that they visit maybe six days a year. So they're around. And then you have some of the richest people in the world who go there to ski. And then you have locals. And then you have, you know, kind of normal people that go there to ski. But the business, it is reasonably priced is not something that you hear in Aspen very much. It's like $9 for a cliff bar. Everything you buy, even if it's breakfast, is $20. Again, not cheap, just noticing things. Oh, here's the other thing. I actually was walking down the street in Aspen. There was just a guy sitting in front of an office on the main street there where the the bricked-in area is. And uh, I walked by him, and as I'm walking by, he goes, you want to buy a house? He said that he was a real estate agent on the street like a drug dealer. And I turned to him and I said, is that really an impulse buy? And he goes, hey, sometimes, sometimes it's an emotional moment. You never know. You might, it might happen. And I'm like, yeah, I, uh, look, I don't, I don't have my checkbook, pal. Uh, thanks for the offer. I, I wish you the best. I hope you sell a house here on the street this afternoon. But the show turns out it was good. It was pretty fucking good, folks. It was, uh, you know, I'd, I'd forgotten, as I always do, that however I freak myself out, once I get the sound check and I stand on that stage in whatever theater it is, part of me's like, oh, yeah, of course this is what I do. This is where I live. This is the, this is it. There was some good press on me in Aspen. I mean, a guy for the, the Aspen Times... Actually, you know, things have been written about me here and there, but this guy kind of kind of did a good job. He did a good job, this guy Andrew Travers. Uh I talked to him and uh and I you never know, but I got I was on the cover of the weekend section and in Aspen, you know, 19 people live there, so it it actually means something. And the the article was good, but you have still they told me it was a big walk-up crowd in the Wheeler Opera House where I was perform, performing, which I had performed in before at different incarnations of myself. Uh, over the over the years at the festivals it's a beautiful little old theater built in the 1800s it's got about 400 seats and it's sweet and i had only sold about half day before the show but they said there's a lot of walk up and ended up selling yeah, 75 80 percent and it just turns out i get a text the day i got there that uh, a comic i know was in town because he saw the article he texted me i was going to go up cold and just blow through an hour 20 hour and a half on my own but Ahmed Ahmed was in town. So I said, what are you up to, man? You want to do 10 before me? Kind of kind of get him into shape. He said, sure. So that was kind of a nice coincidence. And the show was, uh, it was great in a lot of ways. The altitude was kind of fucked up. It kind of screwed with me a little bit. Kind of gets your brain a little screwy. Did I say screwy twice? You want to buy a house? Uh, but... Uh, yeah, but everything kind of clicked along. You're always sort of out of breath there, even if you're just walking up but two, three stairs. And I couldn't sleep that night because of the altitude because you kind of feel like you're mildly drowning and you kind of wake up every 20 minutes. So, yeah, yeah but dreams, man, the dreams. It was like it was like having a remote that you were flipping through, man. I traveled, man. I, I learned a lot about things that were percolating in the back of my brain, boy. Things were coming up. It's it's sort of nice when whether you have a fever or whether you're having trouble breathing because you're in, at an inhumane altitude uh, that you get the opportunity to to you know get a closer look 
at just uh, what's teeming about in the old id, <laughs> what's kicking around in the lizard brain and attaching itself to your regular life. Where are we at there? And if you can remember, make some notes for when you get back. But the show, all good. Got up there, killing, killing, went into some political stuff, got one or two people one guy's like, yeah, what happened to the jokes? I'm like, these are the jokes, and you're, you're kind of, you know, everyone was laughing but you, but you're the only one talking. Another guy goes, yeah, it was, it was funny before the political stuff, and I was probably more diplomatic than I should have been. I said, look, you know, it's going to be done in a minute. You can leave if you want. I'll give you your money back because I got to tell you, in about a half hour into the set, it's going to get pretty gnarly for you. You know, it's going to get a little harder later in the show. I'm going to mix it up, but it's going to get a little rough. I'll give you a heads up to let you know because I don't want to offend your delicate sensibility or your sort of faux victimness. But uh, no one left. Yeah, they just wanted to make it known that they were there and have everybody be uh, you know, not uncomfortable because right when they opened their mouth, there was sort of a chorus of like, Ooh, no, boo. And I'm like, no, let's not, you know, let's not make that happen. I can manage this. I can bridge this gap. And we did, and I did a nice hour and 25-minute set, left, I went back to the hotel, couldn't sleep for about four hours, watched American Sniper with commercials until the very end, which I don't enjoy, but I like when he kills the other sniper. Um, yeah, finally got to sleep. It, it was a good show, so uh, all that uh, belly aching on my uh, behalf uh, to you the other day, though it was true and the fear was real, it worked out. You want to buy a house? Huh? How about a house? So now, now I'm in Boulder. I'm in Boulder, Colorado. It was quite an interesting drive. Uh, Beautiful, beautiful drive. But there was a couple of things that made it even more compelling. But let me just lay a couple emails on you. Here we go. (laughs) This, This is just from a guy named Ed. Subject line, I never thought of contacting you until dot, dot, dot. Please don't get dark. Please don't get dark like you just did on that episode with Tal Wilkenfeld. You scare the shit out of me, dude. Don't. Please don't do anything stupid. Your show keeps me positive, dude. Please don't get down. Please don't stop doing what you do. Please. Ed, relax. I wasn't that down. You're kind of an empath because I knew it was under there during that uh, monologue. I knew there was a little tugging sadness, but I, I wasn't I wasn't spiraling, pal. And I'll, I'll try to keep out of a tailspin for you, Ed. Just... Just relax, Ed, please relax. And thank you for your concern and your email. I appreciate it. So I'm getting ready to perform here in Boulder at the Boulder Theater. It was a beautiful drive, beautiful drive. But my buddy, Matt Sweeney, hit me to this, like there was a link to an NPR thing of a record. There's a link, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right. M-D-O-U is his first name. Mokhtar is the second name. And the album is called Elana, the Creator. And this is, it's like some sort of Saharan psychedelia. So like I, I hooked up the link on my phone and it's just music, man. It's just, it's like, it's like a rock album, but it's, uh, it's I, I guess the guy plays something called a, a Toreg style guitar. It's a Saharan style of music. It's almost trance-like, but it's definitely got a rock sensibility. And it's just, you know, it's so rare that you hear something that kind of bends your sense of what electric guitar is, of what, you know, can or can't be rock music, if it is rock music. But uh, I didn't know anything about it, but the element of the Saharan kind of space. So I'm driving through 
the Rocky Mountains, man. And I got, you know, snow covered uh, mountains all over, all around me. I'm going through tunnels and mountains and I'm just listening to this kind of trancey. Like, I don't understand the language. The guy's from uh, Niger and I don't know anything about him, but just driving through those mountains, it was sort of not counterintuitive, but ironic that I'm listening to Saharan kind of riffage, you know, in, you know, the elevated snow covered Rockies, but, you know, space is space, man. And when you get into that poetic space where shit just stretches out because of a of a groove or of a, a sort of riff that repeats itself, it's almost meditative, just moving in my rented Chevy Equinox through the Rocky Mountains, listening to music from a cat who's from a small village in central Niger, just on fire with his Tare guitar sound, bringing the Saharan desert to my car as I move through my own poetic mental state through the Rocky Mountains is pretty great. And I think actually, I, it, you know, it could work as a commercial for a Chevy Equinox, but that's not really where I was going. It did contain what was happening, though, and it did keep us all moving. So that was my experience heading into Boulder. So now here I am in the room talking to you. You want to buy a house? So Rob Lowe, think what you will. Have your ideas, have your your sense of him. But uh, I was uh, pleasantly surprised. He's currently hosting Mental Samurai on Fox Tuesday nights uh, on Fox. He's got a one man show he tours around that I didn't know about. Of course, I didn't know about his books, but you know he tells me. He tells me. I, I was actually uh, had a nice time talking to him. This is me talking to Rob Lowe. cans yeah oh yeah it makes me sound so sex much sexier yeah I'm already like like it's a what? total difference yeah right uh, fuck yeah oh it sounds pretty dead you're the first guy i've talked to in this uh in this setup it's 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 like a 1970s <laughs> album it is there it is just dead you feel it right oh it's it, there's no presence at all that's crazy it took a while it took a lot of these platforms a lot of these uh whatever you call them Speaker walls. Now this is I feel like we could be doing a Steely Dan album. You know, it's funny you bring that up. Are you a Steely Dan fan? Huge. Really? Yeah, huge. I, I, I know a lot of people don't get. I, it. I just I I didn't forever, and but, now uh, and now like I for some reason I'm 55, and I put it on, and I was like, this kind of. Yeah, kind of, you listen to Hey 19 at your age, and you're like, yeah, I get that. <laughs> yeah. Young girl, really hot. I have nothing but, in common with. But all of it is very uh, you know very clean sounding. It's it sounds like they they recorded it in like yeah. space. Yeah, exactly. Where no one can hear you scream. It's, it's kind of relieving, you know. Yeah, I, it's funny. I, I um, I read. I saw this interview with Springsteen. He goes, "I hate those '70s songs. It's like the <laughs> silence in them just makes me want to vomit." He said that. Yeah, recently. Yeah. <laughs> He likes he likes room, as they call it in sure. the trade. Well, that's right, and I think that those guys were anti-room, very anti- very anti-room. The clash, yeah. all those guys. They want to hear like fucking spoons banging yeah, the commissary. Yeah. I, I like that though. Yeah. Yeah, not for you. Give me the deadened, <laughs> sterile, <laughs> environment. sterile environment of Fleetwood yeah. Mac. Sure. Well, that I mean, I can definitely get on board with Fleetwood Mac. So, what happened? You came down here from Orange County, um, uh, Santa Barbara. That's where you live. Yeah, been, been, been there for twenty five years. Now, yeah, it, what, do you have a, a large expanse? I do. It's my it's my only extravagance in life, really, yeah. is uh, living way beyond my means in my home. Is that what? 
<laughs> so, like, tell me, uh, let's start here, though, because, like, I watched uh, the trailer for Mental Samurai, and I know that's why you're here promoting, and I don't usually pay much mind to pro- to promoting things. I like to do a longer interview. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I, I'm just saying, you get the offer for that. Yeah. And uh, th- what's the deliberation there? He, what happens is, <laughs> I get the offer, yeah. and I've had the, over the years, I've had offers to do game shows or or as they like to call them now, um, what do they call them? I, Competition yeah. series. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh-huh. Uh, That's a little more dignified, it, I guess. It's a little more dignified. Sure. It's like it's like when they didn't call sitcoms sitcoms for a really long time. What they, they were, call them? Um, Half-hour comedies. Oh, of course. Right. Yeah. And that, I, I love, I yeah. live for euphemisms. <laughs> yeah. I think they're genius. It, uh, most of them are put in place, so you'll do them. Like, the, yeah, yeah, it doesn't sound so bad. Like, like <laughs> do you want to... Um, randomly end this person's life expectancy. Yeah. Murder right. them. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> I wonder, well, that's the thing about that fucking show. I mean, uh, they may not be the game shows that we used to know because of the apparatus is involved. Yeah. No, th- it's, it's, I mean, a, this, it's a, an amusement park ride, dude. You've got people winging around in a machine. The, and the, and the, the arm it cost four and a half million dollars. And it's a ride, right? They, that's part of it. You could get sick and it's not fun if you don't like rides. And Right. Well, I mean, because to your question, the the the, the pitch yeah. was, we're the people who make American Ninja Warrior. I'm uh-huh. like, I'm so down. I love that show. You it's do? Great. Okay. Love it. And like, that's so, the one where they obstacle courses? Correct. Right. So like, well, we want to do an obstacle course for the mind. Mm-hmm. Ninja Warriors for the physical. Sure. This will be for the mind. Right. What does that look like? So I was involved in developing the whole concept with them. Really? Yeah. 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 So you were you were there for, uh, on the ground floor when they were talking about the arm. Yeah. 100%. The ball that, that flies around that people are in. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm a producer on the show as well. So and that's how it works. So that's how it works. And- You got a steak. I got a steak, baby. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'd also seen some of my pals like- um, Alec Baldwin doing Match Game, or Mike Myers doing his thing, or Amy Poehler doing her thing with, and they all seem to be having so much fun. Alec Baldwin did Match Game. Alec Baldwin's been hosting Match Game for three years. Come on, Mark. Are you serious? Come on. I'm sorry, man. Come I, on, I, bro. I you got to get out of this cat house. I know, I know, but deadened room. Have you talked to him about how he feels about it? I mean, you're he, saying that they're having a great time, but he's, Alec he, says it's the most fun he has. Really? It, and by the way. It was everything I thought. It's so fun. The set, at least my set. Yeah. His is, Match Game is very retro 70s. He's got the long right. microphone, oh, right, the right. Gene so Rayburn. There's a campiness to it. Yeah. The, yeah. Our, our thing is like this big, amazing world. And to walk on that set and get the butterflies of, yeah. of the of the LED towers and, and to see people. It's like going to Times Square. It's Times Square and it's yours. Uh-huh. But like for me, like I hosted a game show once years ago and, and I was not into it at all. I, you know, I had integrity. I was mad. But I was... <laughs> But I was broke. <laughs> You're just laughing at the idea of integrity. <laughs> uh, yes, I'm laughing at the idea of you had integrity. How, how dare you? You wait, you wait. You got you were you're in show still, business and you had integrity. I still do. Look where I'm doing my job. Right. I'm, I'm at home. You know this. <laughs> You're not working for the man. I'm not really. Not here. No, it's true. But you know, there was a lot of lean years though. And when, but when, (laughs) you know, there's a there's a price to pay when you don't work for the man. I know. I was fortunate that the man didn't want to hire me anyway, so (laughs) I did all right. (laughs) 
It's perfect. But but I could not like wrap my I could not wrap my brain around the fucking rules of the game. So I knew I was playing a game right. and that I had teams, but there was no stakes in this game. It was an improv game. Oh. So it wasn't a money game. Right. So it was just like and so the the rules had a little play to them. But your game, you know, there's that, you know, answer the question, don't answer the question, you lost the money. Yeah. That's and, it. And and under a time constraint and, and in a machine un, and under a machine that's trying to kill you. So so you're excited about it. Really, really. Listen, I, at this point in my life, yeah. there are fewer and fewer things that I haven't done. Uh-huh. So when I oh. get to do something that's really new, where I literally don't know anything, yeah. I mean, and I, and I say this with all humility. Yeah. A lot of times on a set, I'm the smartest guy in the room, just because I've been doing it forever. Right. In and, terms of acting. And, and all yeah. of it. Direct, all of it. Yeah. And to, so to go to a place where I literally know nothing. Right. Is, that's fun? Is really fun. I guess that's true. Like, because I was looking at the uh, the career arc here, and uh, yeah, I mean, you really have not stopped working. No, since the eighties. Oh, since nineteen seventy nine. I'm well, when I, I was fifteen years old. I did my first sitcom or half hour comedy. Really? Yeah, a new kind of family. Yeah. ABC. I'm fifteen years old. I got the David Cassidy hair going. Yeah. And and that was really the beginning. Oh, so that yeah, okay, there it is, seventy nine. Frightening. You were fifteen. Yeah, we're like the same age ish. You fifty five. Fifty five this this last weekend. Yeah, I turned uh, fifty five yeah. in September. So, but where? But you didn't grow up here, right? No, I grew up in Ohio. Really? In which part of Ohio? Dayton. That's the whole time that you grew up in Dayton. Yep. Two fifth till fifteen till thirteen. Yeah, and then uh, what happened? My parents divorced when you were thirteen. They, yeah, she, my mom divorced twice, once when I was five from my father and then uh, from the, my stepfather when I was 13 and then she came out to, moved us all out to LA and, yeah. I, and I was like, any 13 year old didn't want to go. It was he, just you and your brother, Chad? Yep. The only, and now like your, your real dad, yep. is, was he, is he totally out of the picture? He's, no, he's still in, in our lives, but he's still in, L, in Dayton, still practicing law and at 80 years old. So really, so both exes- are in Dayton. Both of your moms, yeah. your stepdad and your yeah, dad are yeah, in Dayton. Yeah, yeah. And you like both of them. Yeah. Yep. It, all, all good. All good. I've been very blessed in that way. Are they both lawyers? No. Um, my dad is a lawyer. My my stepdad is long since retired. Uh-huh. What was that? What did he do? He, he literally invested in the earliest, um, f- like, f- what was it called? Photo, fa- you know when you used to take your pictures to like a, a photo per, map, a photo like a photo map. Yeah, he was one of the early investors in photo map and just took that money and like, and that was it. That's it. So he made his killing. Then he just yeah, and he knows how to live life. Yeah, he's he's unbelievably cheap oh. and <laughs> and he, you know he's 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 utilitarian and Spartan. Yeah, so he's made it go a long way. Oh, that's well, that's good. Yeah. So your mom's like she had enough of that. Yeah, and uh, she's like, I'm fucking going to L.A. Coming to L.A., I I did not want to, even though I wanted to be an actor. What was her plan? Her plan was um, she wanted to go somewhere. I mean, she was done, done with the Midwest. Right. Right. She's still around? No. Oh. She she died young. Sorry. Uh, 64, and thank you. Um, uh, so the LA for me was like a mixed bag. Yeah. Because um, I missed my friends. 13's a hard year to leave anywhere when, you know, it's at a lot, beginning of adolescence. What part of the town were you in? We moved to Point Doom. In Malibu, Jeez. so which, you, <laughs> which my mom chose because it had the cleanest air quality in all of Southern California. That's way out there, man. Way out. And in those days, living living in Malibu in the mid seventies was like 
being in like the ice storm meets Lord of the Flies meets <laughs> Boogie Nights, but directed by people on blow. <laughs> so, so you're just you know out there. It's all like it's just you and Bob Dylan and the people that are. Bob Dylan was secretly buying all of the tract homes. Yeah. When I moved out there. Yeah. And then knocked them all down and built his mansion with like an the un- dome an un- with an onion on the dome. With I was the just dome. Say, yeah, exactly. So, did you see Bob Dylan around? Bob Dylan would come to um, my brother's soccer games. Because he had a kid in the game? Yep. Jacob or the it other one? It was Jacob. Yeah. So that was just, so you just see Bob Dylan You'd sitting You'd see there. Bob Dylan there, you know, smoking a joint. You'd yeah. see uh, David Carradine from Kung Fu on acid walking the Pacific Coast Highway. Hanging around? You'd see Mick Fleetwood at the Trancus Bar. Um, <laughs> that was the community? That And then like firefighters and, and, and doc, and like, dentists and accountants and like really sort of upper middle class working people so you're stranded there with your brother and bob dylan and mick fleetwood mm-hmm. and you're, are you older or younger i'm the oldest right so and you're depressed um and slowly getting over it because let's face it it's southern nice. california and it's gorgeous yeah. and the ocean's there and i th- and i think i was probably happy to be there within a year yeah and, wh- and you wanted to be an actor from early on F- yeah I, I think i did my first community theater i was eight. Oh yeah do you remember it yeah it was oliver oh really with all the little kids in it were you oliver hell no i couldn't get the lead yet (laughs) you were just my first thing one of the kids with a bowl please sir i want some more whatever it was (laughs) yeah yeah my accent is still bad yeah you can't do that one i guess no no (laughs) you can do a lot of other things yeah but that that's not in the (laughs) english accents no accents for you no i've I've thrown down with some accents in the past but english accents are scary there's a lot of different kinds that's the problem like what what kind of accents have you done well, I, when I did Kennedy, I did Kennedy, and, oh, that's I, and right, that was that's one of the big ones because everybody. That's such an iconic accent. Did you and, get flack? No, I I got a screen a Screen Actors Guild Award for that baby. Oh, that's, so that one went really well, but because that's a tough one. That's what that's an easy really one. Really want you you'll end up sounding like you're on The Simpsons. Right, you, it's an easy one to mangle. The how, how are you? Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> go get the car. You know. Uh, <laughs> so did you have to study with a coach? Or did you just like lock well, in? What's What's great about the internet yeah. is there's so much footage available of in, of of a of public figure. I just listened to hours and hours and hours and hours of him speaking. Did you learn things? I learned so much. How are you still a Republican after that? <laughs> he would have been a, he would have been a Republican today. I don't know. One dude, John Kennedy today, one hundred percent his politics. He would have been a Democrat. What's because b- he, he would have been, been, you think he would have been a Republican? Um, what is the word I'm looking for? Um, mentally, spiritually, morally, he would have stayed a Democrat, but his policies today, absolutely. His fiscal Republican. policies and his uh, Mil- military, war, military physically, policy. yeah, yeah. And even, listen, he was not Johnny on the spot with civil rights. Uh-huh. That took him. No one was. But, but <laughs> um, to, to my thing of like yeah. Democrat, Republican, it yeah. took him a while to get there. Sure. But, but I, I learned a lot about, a, lo- a lot about Kennedy. Um, and uh, little things, that, here's my pet peeve when critics talk about accents. Yeah. Or people like, I thought it was inconsistent. Oh, right. Meanwhile, John Kennedy said the word decade two different ways uh-huh. in his own life. Yeah. So John Kennedy was inconsistent with his right. own. He, we will go to the moon within the decade. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. And, I, then, and then he would say decade. Yeah. So it was decade, decade. Well, maybe it was just a bad day, a little brain fart. I know. Meanwhile, you got to pick one way to say it when you're playing them. <laughs> You didn't have two opportunities to say decade? No. You could have said both ways. Right. 
But when, how did you get in, how, what was the first sort of, uh, how'd you enter acting? Did your mom take you to auditions? Was it that kind of thing? I saw a play. I don't remember which one it was, and there were kids in it, and I told my mom I wanted to do that. Oh, that was back in Ohio. And that was back in Ohio, and she was like, okay, and I think, I'm sure she thought it was no different than a kid saying, you know, I'd like to go to baseball camp this summer. Right. But the difference was I was deadly serious about it and meant it from day one. I don't know what to attribute it to. Huh. And my parents were, I think, the sort of perfect mix of really supportive, yeah. but, but also not in any way stage parents. Right. They were just sort of drop him off, fuck it. Yeah, totally. Take the butt. Well, from Malibu, you know how far. I would take the butt. Come this. on, man. At, That's so at far. 13, yeah. I would take bu- the bus from Malibu yeah. into Hollywood and Vine. They just let us do that shit when we were kids. To, to audition, 100%. They were like, just take the bus. Yeah. It was, it's not to think so of it like today. Three hours. And then and you're you go, walking into like, you know, Sodom. Yeah, you're walking into some guy who's like, hmm, hi. <laughs> no. Yeah, and, uh, you know, that you do the scene. Turn Did you have to deal with that? But, um, no, they, I, yes and no. I mean, it was like, you know, Hollywood is full of I fucking know. creepy dudes yeah, yeah, and creepy girls, yeah. creepy people. I think you had a window there where you were considered one of them. Yeah, listen. <laughs> Listen, if if you don't do your time in the barrel, uh-huh. you know you're not you you don't have a long a long career. Oh, the time in the barrel joke. Oh boy, yeah, I'm, everyone's afraid of their time in the barrel. It's coming for everyone. Oh no. Yes. Come on. It, yes. Sorry. Right, so you're 13 and you're taking the bus to Hollywood from Malibu, but no, no one's teaching you acting. No one's doing nothing. You're just no. going out on what casting calls. You have no agent. You just. I got it. I got an agent. A really tiny, you know, commercial agent. Their big other client was Vince Ferragamo. You know, good-looking quarterback guy, and uh, and it was so just it, you and him, and a and a young, thirteen-year-old um, girl who originated the role of Annie, named Sarah Jessica Parker. Wow, we were the big clients, and she and you're about the same age, exactly. Oh wow! So she came out. So she was the big star. He had big. <laughs> How did you get the agent? Um through my dad had represented someone in a divorce yeah who had out come here in in Dayton yeah who had come to Hollywood and become an agent and he cold called her and she said yeah I'll meet Rob and you know one thing led to another and it was sort of a fluke but you didn't get her you got someone she knew I got that agent oh she she was working for an agent yeah yeah oh that's wild yeah and he just started sending you out didn't get you set up with classes or anything um no, it, and the other thing is I wouldn't, because I was a, you know, I was 13, I wouldn't right. have really, living in Malibu, I wouldn't have really had the time to come all the way in for, I mean, it was school, you know, right. school and auditions, and I'm I'm pretty much 100% self-taught. I mean, I have, st- I studied in the sort of middle of my career, my wife um, said to me, you know, you might want to think about acting lessons. I was like, oh, great, thank you. That's really, <laughs> was this a few that's years ago? wonderful. In 2002 it was, it was, But it literally was like in the 90s, uh-huh. like in the middle of my career. And I thought, you know what, fuck it. I've never, I've never taken a proper acting class. Yeah. And I'll do it. And it was great. I, I really, I, le- I learned a lot. I was, I was playing a deaf mute in Stephen King's The Stand. Yeah. Um, it's a sort of really renowned book and a renowned part. And I, I'll never forget going to- Is that to the-, the plague book? Yes. Yeah. Which incidentally they're remaking. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm, I'm deaf in one ear anyway. 
Yeah. So my idea was- that happen? Uh, they think I had the mumps when I was a kid and totally undiagnosed, so as long as I can remember. Okay. Um, so my idea was to do something with the, the ear that I could hear with. Yeah. To really, you know, go methody, whatever. And then so, I met this acting coach yeah. and he was like, yeah, um, sure, you could do that. But if you want to work with me, what you need to realize is you do hear yeah. and you can talk. Yeah. So you need to play the character as a person who can hear and can talk and fools everybody into thinking that they can't. I was like, well, wait, what? I'm sorry, what? Yeah. He's like, the less lying you're doing as an actor, the better you'll be. Isn't it all lying? It's all lying. Like he said, he says, I represent the guy who plays the dead body in, what was the first Quentin Tarantino movie? Um, Reservoir Dogs. Oh, yeah. So yeah. in Reservoir Dogs, they kill a guy and yeah. his body lies in the background. Right. That was his big client. Yeah. He goes, he goes, and I told him, you will be alive. You're not dead. You can't play dead. That's yeah. impossible. Right. So what you have to play is a man pretending to play dead in this movie. Uh-huh. I was like, uh, okay. That doesn't even make sense. It defeats her initial, the guy's original argument. But it, the less it, pretending you're doing. But he's alive. Right. You can't pretend he's dead. Okay. So that was the, the exception. And he said he got good, re- <laughs> he actually got reviewed as a dead body. <laughs> Come on. It's fucking amazing. So he wouldn't let you stick something in your ear. No, wouldn't, wouldn't have it. And you didn't do it. You didn't end up doing that. You didn't end up sticking something in your I ear. I did not. I took his advice for that role. And did it, did it pay off? I got really good reviews. So- when you start getting the the movies that you're known for, like I I don't even I I can't even like was the Outsiders was the big one right yeah probably I mean it was Coppola who at that time was probably the m- most famous and infamous director yeah. around why was he infamous you think um, he was infamous because he was c- coming off of a moment where he was the first director to buy his own studio oh yeah that's right. And so he's doing that weird Technicolor thing, and he's also doing one, the movie One from the Heart, which was on the cover of Time and, and Rumblefish, sort of, right? That was after right Outsiders, right. right? But so it was he, you know, he went Godfather One, Godfather Two, um, you know, Conversation, all of these great movies, and then One from the Heart, which was sort of a, a, a one of the big boondoggles, yeah. And um, so he was very controversial, it was his, right? It was his big idea, and it failed, yeah. To do it all on the soundstage. And he right, was the, right. And he was the first guy to, you know, to be able to edit on the spot because he had TV monitors he hooked the, up. 100%. Right. So he could see the shots over again immediately. 100%. Re- first video monitor hookup I ever saw was the auditions for The Outsiders. And But that was really kind of defined that, you know, the whole generation of you guys. Totally. Uh, like it, you were all in it kind of. Totally and spoiled us for, I thought all movies were going to be made the way Francis made The Outsiders. Why was it great? Because he's Francis Ford Coppola and he does it his way and he's- He, he had he's, a vision. He, he's an, a true auteur. Yeah. I mean, he won an Oscar for right. writing um, Patton. Yeah. So he's a real auteur and, and there really aren't that many auteurs in our business anymore. Right. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, there's Chris Nolan- there's, there's a, a few. There, I mean, there's a lot of indie uh, auteurs, but big movies, they, they, they seem to be less about the auteurs. Right. But there were definitely a few around. They're still around. Yeah. But in those days, everybody wanted to be an auteur. Right. Well, he was one of the guys, right? Yeah. He was one of the new generation of hotshots. But so working with, like, let's, I, I just want to look at that. Hold on, that cast real quick. Yeah, yeah. So it's C. Thomas Howell, Matt Dillon, Ralph, Ralph Macchio, Patrick Swayze, you, Diane Lane, Estevez, Cruz, and Leif Garrett. Leif Garrett. Leif Garrett. Right teen, there. Teen Idol. Um, they literally, I found out later, they literally cast a lot of it by who was on the cover of Tiger Beat magazine. Is that true? That is, I, I just found this out a few years ago. Had in you an, been yet? In an autobiography. I had been from 
a new kind of family. How many did you, how many episodes did you do of that? Was that a long running show? A new kind uh, of family. Uh, we did thirteen. No, it was opposite sixty minutes. <laughs> Literally, yeah. it was like a, it was a death slot. Sunday night. Sunday night, and we were we were. I remember there were sixty two. Um, shows on the schedule because yeah. we were always 60 second. Right. We're literally the lowest rated show <laughs> on network television. But you learned some tricks. Oh, are you kidding me? Yeah. I learned the whole the whole thing. And then, you know, the, the outsiders came along and the rest was history. And you were friends with those guys. Yeah, r- really close with all of them. Like when I see, you know, if I see Tom Cruise, we, we're like, it's like running into a fraternity brother. Yeah. You know, like it doesn't matter how much time's gone by. You immediately know them on a level that very few people do. So, like all of you guys, well, I mean specifically, well, C. Thomas Howell, Dylan, um, Ralph, well, Swayze was a little older, right? Yeah, he was he was substantially older. Yeah, and Tom, you're all sort of on the same trajectory. That was the momentum, and then and then you started doing the 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 big the you know what became defined as those Brat Pack movies. Yep. Now, was like, were you just out of control? <laughs> I mean, class. <laughs> I remember class. That's the other guy. What's that? What was that guy's name? Andrew McCarthy. Yeah. What happened to that guy? Uh, he is around. I think he's does a lot of writing of travel writing or something. Somebody was telling me. Isn't it weird that you know how people make do when it doesn't quite work out? Every, listen, everybody's got a hustle. It's true. Right? For everybody. Yeah. But you had a, like a pretty amazing run there of movies. The yeah. Class was good. That was what Jacqueline Bissett, right? Mm-hmm. Hotel New Hampshire. Who was in that one? Jodie Foster. Wow. Nastasia Kinski at her most beautiful. Yeah. Directed by Tony Richardson. Right. Um, you know, gr- the great director. And Bo Bridges. Wilford Brimley. Wilford Brimley was the best. I, I remember meeting him and he's like, we were driving to the set. Yeah. And it was the first time I'd ever met a real true character actor. Right. Like a, like a, a ringer. Yeah. And, and I'll never forget, he's like, son, what do they call you in this movie? I said, what do you mean? What do you, like, what do they call my character? <laughs> yeah. He goes, yeah. <laughs> well, they call me Jono. He goes, well, then that's what I'll call you, Jono. <laughs> and I realized he'd only read his part. Right. And he dies, like, 30 pages into the movie. Yeah. And I remember thinking, eh. And now I'm, now, fast forward X amount of years later, I get an offer. I only read my part. Fuck it. You do. <laughs> I I think we were up for the same part. <laughs> You're kidding. No. I, it's a rumor. I guess we could put it to rest right now. What, I, I, tell me this rumor. I was the. I'm the. I play the. Uh, the manager in Glow, the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. Oh. And and I was told that they didn't know who they they were going to go with, but they were thinking you. Did uh, it make it to you? Uh, it did not. Ah. Yeah, damn. Yeah, it would have been. Oh, it would have been a spicier conversation. Oh, I would have loved it. I would have loved. Do you know the, the show? I do know. Of course, I know the show. Yeah, that's me. That uh, okay? I'm gonna have to watch it. I mean, I, I I'm <laughs> yeah, aware yeah. of it, and I've seen the billboards. Yeah. and I know people love it. Yeah, yeah. I I'm the you know the, okay, the I'm, cranky, slightly. Uh, uh, oh, that sounds know, genius. Sort of jaded, downtrodden. Oh, genius! Little coked up, uh, failed director. Oh goddamn! This sounds like right up my alley. I know you blew it. Fuck yeah. <laughs> It could have really turned things around. Jesus. You, you wouldn't be hosting the arm show. You would... <laughs> You're probably making a lot more money with the arm, oh, with the giant ball. The with, arm. With the, uh, what do you call it, the machine? A- Ava. Ava? Ava. What, like, like, you know, Ava. What, Ava, what, bring the contestant up here. Well, what kind? Do you do? Oh, yeah. I talked to Ava. Talks. She talks. Oh, yeah. She, she asks the questions. 
So, but it, what, what kind of ride is it? What kind of device is it? Is it? It was designed for NASA to test the astronauts. Oh no, shit! So yeah. it's an existing machine. It was an existing machine that we found because we. The big struggle was if we can't find something to legitimately put our players under duress, we don't yeah. have a show. And we did, we found this device. So that's so that thing can get going pretty good. I think it goes to. <laughs> It's like Spinal Tap. It goes to 11, and we can't do it any farther than a two. It'll kill someone. So, so you, 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 do people sign releases? And oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. <laughs> have there been any accidents with Ava? No, because we have, like, so many fail-safes to prevent the thing from going wild. Oh. All right, so you do these great movies that everyone loves, St. Elmo's Fire. We all were... You didn't get The Breakfast Club, though. That wasn't you. It's that funny. I, you know, I auditioned for The Breakfast Club, and I did not get it. Uh, clearly, John Hughes had no use for me. He I didn't like been, you. I could have literally been in. I mean, how many John Hughes movies could I have been in? Honestly, Most probably of every them. every one of them, right? Sure, as the slightly bad guy. Anything. Yeah. I would have taken. <laughs> yeah, how about never? My, how about my phone never rang from John Hughes was, ever? Was it, is that a a, a a resentment that you have? I, I'm holding a deep seated. <laughs> even even when he died, I yeah. was just I was just resentful. Uh huh. But about last night, that was from the that was from the Mammoth play, right? Yeah, that's 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 probably my favorite of that era. That was a big movie. Yeah, it was. Yeah, these were all sort of like these were because we were the same age. You, you always seemed to have been there in my childhood. Mm. But then, like, okay, so here, I guess the big question is: so all these guys that you start out with, like, well, Tom Cruise specifically, and other people kind of leveled off, but he became a huge star. Now, did you feel you were on the trajectory of that? Yeah, I mean, for for sure. I think I, I I think we probably all, if you would have asked us then, felt like we were all on the trajectory. But Even ta- Judd Nelson, but taking d- different paths. Oh, I remember vividly being on the set of Saint Elmo's Fire and the studio president showing up and stiffing all of us and going to Judd and taking him into the corner and offering him like this big movie, and we were all like. Wow, okay. and that was the Breakfast Club. It was um, no. Blue uh, City. Oh yeah, that one. Turned out it wasn't a big movie, but I remember, <laughs> like he was the guy that, like, yeah. the studio was like, yeah, he's the man. He's he, who we're betting on. He's got the intensity. The the sad thing about me, you know, you know, bringing up these people in sort of a condescending or or dismissive way is that they're all people, and they might listen to this, and I'll probably have to talk to Judd. Listen, I think you've been very diplomatic, even handed. Have I? Yes. I because like I've been in this a long time, but I you know, I've sort of it's been a real slow build for me and and, and it was just the right speed and I'm right. fine. But I always wonder like, you know, how people, you know, shoulder the burden of of just sort of disappearing or public failure, but they, they never seem to go away. Well, cuz nobody really ever does. They're always working, we're just not aware of it, you that's know. Right, I mean? right, mean, that's right, right. That's what it is and and what you have to learn is if you're going to have a long career, there are going to be periods for everyone. I don't care who it is. You name a person and I will yeah. tell you their fallow period. Yeah. And I will tell you their- <laughs> You have a big board at home? Yeah, I Just do. to compare yourself to? No, like, it's- I went down, but that guy went way down. No, no, you it- must not ever compare yourself to others. You know this, um, but, but- But you had to learn that, didn't you? You have to, you have to learn, <laughs> keep your head down, do your own work, and you know, when the, did you the learn seasons that? will change. Um, I'm not sure I ever really had an epiphany about it. I think it's just something that's gradually become but, apparent. But let's like deal with this. So you're you're fucking, you know, you're doing good. Things are like, you know, everything's going your way. And then like this videotape shows up and there you are naked and, you know, fucking. 
Listen, let me see if I can get this straight. I'm a 20-year-old- I'm not judging you. I, I'm, there was a little judgment, I thought. No, no. I mean, like, who hasn't made a tape? Exactly. By the way, here's my the, the real fuck-up was that I didn't wait 20 years later to do it where it would have helped my career. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, were, you were ahead of the curve, man, on, on public controversy over a sex One tape. billion percent ahead of the curve. But but like I have to assume that like I can't even imagine the panic and horror and you know stress that you must have went through. Did you? I mean, it, by the way, it's thirty years ago. I know, so it, it's hard. It's it's hard for me to remember a lot a lot of it. Um, but my 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 notion of it was it was all like happening so fast. Yeah, and um, that it was just sort of putting one foot in front of the other. Right. But you do you felt the the backlash, dude? <laughs> yeah, I I turned on the NBC nightly news. Uh-huh. And you saw today you- in America, actor Rob Lowe is about, and they like they do that was like that's Tom Brokaw leading the news, and literally, and another news in Tiananmen Square, violence is erupting, and it was like the guy standing in front of the tank. Yeah. That was the second story. Yeah. And the first one was a pixelated you. Yeah, it was me. Yeah, one hundred percent. Oh my god! But like, I, here's here's the thing: it's yeah. like bet- between that mm-hmm. and some of the other things that, that have happened in my life, like I would have no memoir to write. Yeah, and I'd have no one man show that I would take out and have a blast with. Have you done without, either? Without without those without those things, I, these, would, I would have none of those. But are these? Uh, uh, did I miss the memoir? Two bestsellers, baby. Yeah, yep. So you laid it out. New York there. Times, New York Times bestsellers, and the and the one man show, and the one man show sold out all over the world. I'm in the middle of doing it right now. So I, are you really? Yeah, I did. Um, I just played Royal Festival Hall in London. I've done that room. Yeah, right. It's a big. It's twenty two, twenty four hundred. Yes, yeah. yeah, and it's beautiful, right? It's great. They have the giant organ there. Yeah, exactly. And I'm going back there in a couple of weeks. Oh, you're kidding? Nope. Yeah, I loved it there. Yeah, I loved it's great. that that place. Um, so the one man show is new. It's. I've been doing it for about a year. Yeah, so it's new. Um, I'm playing Vegas for the first time, which is exciting because it's like, I feel like play, this, the, the notion that I would have a billboard over the over the Vegas Strip playing, you know, Rob is something Lowe. I never would have thought of. And what's it called? Uh, Stories I Only Tell My Friends, live, because that was the first book. Okay, so so the, oh really, so you're just dishing with some humor, it, rack and touring. It, it's, it's, it's an evening of stories, 100%. Yeah, but but if you read the, you got to read the books because it's. Um, I feel like I didn't do my homework. No, 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 no. It, you would love them, but just because it's like a, a style of of celebrity memoir that doesn't exist anymore. Like I was, I was, I was um, what, drinking stories and whatnot. I mean, it's like David Niven wrote right. the like the the high water mark. Right, you know? the, it, he's, the moon, it's a very dirty one. Right, the moon's a balloon. Right, yeah. Um, and it no, it, but it's really it get, it's very insightful. It's hilarious. And like it, it gives you all of the insight behind the curtain you want, and yet no one gets hurt. It's not exploitive, right? And and it's also sneakily moving. Sure. So that was that was what I what I wanted, and um and the books because you got an arc. You know, you did uh, rise from the ashes to a certain degree. Yeah, to a certain degree. Kept going. I'm still clawing my way up, baby. <laughs> it's right. a long road. But what's like? So so did you you wrote it all yourself? Oh yeah. And and is it does it build to like is there a third act is there a denouement is there a story that you know kind of like you 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 focus on is it the tapes or what what's the story in the middle 
that and then you come out of and end it's, up. It's 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 a really interesting structure because I I just know what I like in yeah. a memoir is like I don't want. I don't want it to be linear because a lot of times I don't care what people were like before they were famous. Yeah. Honestly, I just don't care. Yeah. I just want to let me know about the famous part. Yeah. And in, in like in other books, like Quincy Jones's book, for example, his non-famous life is actually almost more interesting. Right. So I mixed it up. So it, it sort of goes through different timelines. So no, uh, you know, Dayton, Ohio community theater. Oh, though, that's in there, one hundred percent. Yeah. In Malibu. It's Malibu Dayton community theater. The the you know all it there's nothing that's not in it because job one if you're going to do a one man show or if you're going to do um, a memoir is you better be honest you better be authentic yeah and not full of shit yeah and you do that yeah and so the, and now when you when you decided to do this you know along with the the mental samurai and this other stuff I mean is this something that you've always wanted to do theater or is it like uh like you know I gotta I gotta get some other cash flow coming. <laughs> No, it, it it's it's really as simple as you know. I'm I'm in my fifth decade. Yeah, and you know it's harder and harder and harder to get my adrenaline up doing being doing traditional acting stuff because I've been doing it for so long. So when I so I to go out by myself on stage alone and entertain people with something I've written for ninety minutes. On, in, on the Vegas Strip or the Royal Festival Hall, that gets my adrenaline going. To, you know, pr- try to produce and host and deal with a do a whole genre that I've never been in, don't have any knowledge about in in the game show world. That that gets my adrenaline going. So you're reengaged. Yeah, because listen, I'm 55 years old. I, I gotta I gotta keep being reengaged and curious. Do you get bored on sets? A lot. Oh, it's brutal. There's nothing more brutal than the boredom on a set. I, you know, that's what I find. You know, all my life I've wanted these opportunities to act, and then I get them, and I'm like, whew, well, that was a nice three minutes of work. Now how long? I know. Two now, hours. Now you know why everybody's, you know, doing drugs. Yeah. And everything else. It's hard to figure out what to do with your time. So what, were you writing? Were you, right, exactly. Well, you were never a drug guy, huh? Oh, in the day I was. I mean, I've been sober now for 20, it, I don't want to get out of myself, but it'll be 29 years in May. Oh yeah, like active sober. Yeah, no, sober, sober, one hundred percent. Yeah, I'm coming sober. up on twenty. Do you do oh, the thing? Oh, that's great. Yeah, I do the thing. Sure, yeah. I do the thing. One hundred percent. So when did you? So that's You're t- you got twenty. Yeah, baby. Yeah, it's it's coming. Uh, August is twenty. So you got it. You you did it ten years before me. So you were in your twenties, yeah, and so you were like, I'm done. Yeah. What was, was that day I was, like? I was done, dude. <laughs> I mean, you you know what it's like is like, but I don't know what it was like at your level. I mean, you're running around with uh, Judd Nelson and and some guy named Chewy, probably <laughs> like what what, what um, I see. I don't know anything about Judd Nelson, but I have right. to assume that the access you had to the environments that you could get into and live with it must have been a lot more exciting than mine. You it know, was. I'm, I'm out on it, the road, yeah. you know, and fucking, you know. Yeah, Minneapolis with some guy I don't know with an eye patch. Yes, who brought the shit in the other comic? Yeah, no, we. Um, <laughs> no, yeah. I'm in the I'm in the grotto at the Playboy Mansion. Okay, you know what I'm saying? And you're in 22. Yeah, I'm 22. Uh-huh. And I'm single. Uh huh. So it was. Great. But you're on coke, so not great. Oh no, great. Okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Dude, great. <laughs> who are we kidding? <laughs> Listen, drugs and alcohol are great. Yeah. Until they're not. Yeah. And um, it, when it was not, 
um, it was not good. And and it took me a while to, to figure that out. But when I did, I was truly well and truly done. Did did you see people go down? Did you were you afraid for your life? No, not yet, because um, I've since seen that a ton. I've seen more. I've lost more friends and seen more people go down um, in my since I've gotten sober from the shit than I did then. Oh, yeah. Um, it was part of it was I'd met my wife and I knew I knew that she was the one for me and that if I couldn't make it work with her, I was probably doomed oh, yeah. to end up like my biggest nightmare would be Warren Beatty and um, in shampoo where you're like alone on Christmas Eve standing on Mulholland Drive watching the sun go down and all of your bimbos don't want to see you. That's yeah. like that's sort of where I the worst iteration of myself. I thought, yeah. and and I thought the only way to make this work with this great woman was to, to get sober. Did she demand it? No, no, she was great. She was, but she was also like, "I love you. I'll be your friend. Mm. I'll be your friend forever." Right. But I can't be with you if you're going to be if you're going to be like this. And then I had also my grandfather had just died, so there was like a, a lot of things that just happened at that moment. They w- weren't massively earth shaking. Yeah. But it was enough to get me to to be like, I'm done. That's well, that's quite a crossroads where you like uh, you're you're the the projection of what your life would be loneliness, you yeah. know, because you had no intimate relationships really none, and you just realize that if I don't if I don't lock into this with this woman and get off of this shit, it was I'm, I'm going to regret it for the rest of my life. One, I really felt like it was a it was a like. It was like the game Frogger, and you're yeah. on that log. And you're like, "Do I jump now? Do I jump now?" And the lily pad comes. You go, "This is the last lily pad. This is it. You got to get on this pad. Or you're done." Did, did you ever have any nights where you almost like died? No, I was I was a very profe- I was very professional at it. I never I what never was your thing? I, I was blow? never I was never stoned on the set. Never. Yeah. Um, was it blow? It was the right mixture of blow and of, booze of of blow and booze. Mm. Like getting that mixture yeah. right was heavenly yeah yeah and it lasts about an hour and then yeah and then then you're you're just fucked up on coke (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) you're you're awake with nothing to do that's exactly what it was yeah um and then you know uh but i but i almost immediately found yeah that um my biggest fear getting sober was i wouldn't have any more fun that was my honestly my biggest fear that i'd become one of those boring people one of those you know, Bible thumpers about 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 Recovery. sobriety. Yeah, and, dude, I currently have a massive wine cellar that's amazing, yeah. and it's for my guests, and I want people to have fun, and I love being around people who can still do what I used to do, and mm-hmm. it's still working for them. I have no judgments at all, and you I just collect I, wine as a hobby. Uh, no, you, if you're going to be a good guest, yeah, a good host, yeah, a good host. I mean, yeah. sorry, a host is what I meant, but. Like I found out very quickly that there's way more fun in in sobriety than there was getting high. Right. Well, it's weird because once, like, not only do you 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 still have a good time, but you're so fucking nuts for the first couple of years that you're not really thinking about fun anyways. You're just sort of like, this is fucked. What the, this is what it is. You know. And there's so I had the opposite. I had the, I was like euphoric. Really. For the first two or three years, I was just angry. I'd go to I'd go to meetings and I'd be like, "Fuck you, people! I don't want to be here. This is bullshit." Oh, I, really? Yeah, man. Because I I just ran out of choices. Like there was it was undeniable that I was going to you know not live uh, or be a productive person if right. I didn't do it. But I did it because of a woman as well. Mm. But I got in there. But I was you know I knew I had to be there. But you know I wanted to fight it. 
So, I, oh, that's interesting. I was done fighting. I was, I was, what did they say? I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. Sure, sure. So you done. were just sort of like relieved once oh, you got- If they'd have told me to stand in the corner on my head for five hours a day to, to stay sober, I would have done it. Yeah? Do yeah. you sponsor people? I, I I don't as much as I should. I don't either because it's weird sometimes for it, me. Yeah, I, it, and and the, I know we shouldn't be talking about it, but I do on the show, so it's okay. You know, and, yeah. and I do, I, but I'm a big believer in, in you know, the, the program. Sure. Um, and but more than anything, it's given me the tools to to lead my life in so many other areas. That's the real thing. I mean, well, that's the thing I they say. If you put your sobriety first, everything will fall into line. And and I haven't thought I I the notion of drinking or using oh, it, 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 it I, I'm as I would be as likely to do that as I would to go to Mars. It's that my issue is like living life on life's terms and using all of that those tools that I've learned. Right, and they've just changed. Yeah, they've changed my life. I never think about it, and when I do think about it, just it's so scary and exhausting. I know. You know like to it's be a, sitting in front of a bunch of lines. I mean, can you fucking imagine? I that do have at a great, our age. So I so I have a, re, a re, you have reoccurring dreams about it because here's my occasionally I, I have three reoccurring dreams. One is um it's junior high and I'm at school and I forgot to wear clothes yeah yeah and i'm like trying to hide that there's that dream yeah. i have it's opening night i'm standing backstage the lights go up and i've forgotten to learn the lines that, well that's yeah right yeah. and then the other one is um i come to a realization that i've been drinking oh and you haven't told all anybody. along oh yeah and but didn't know i was drinking right and now i have the choice of do i tell people right do I, yeah. and that's the reoccurring dream I have, and I have it a lot. I've had I've had similar ones like that where where like I'm using, and I haven't told anybody, and I'm just living in this lie. Right? Yeah, it's weird. And then, and then it's all about like. It, it, and by the way, I love when I have the dream because it's it's it it's a little bit of experiencing what it, yes what yeah. it would be like. Yeah. It's so funny the stage fright line, that panic in that moment is crazy. Oh, I on, on opening night of a few good men at the Royal Haymarket in London. Yeah, Aaron Sorkin and I are there. It's and, and the critics all come on opening night right. in, in the in the UK. It's yeah. not like here we never know when. Is this the first time it's there? This is the and it's the first time it's there. First time yeah. we've ever done the show. Oh yeah. And I'm playing Lieutenant Caffey, and I have somebody on the witness stand, and it's a courtroom drama. Like it's like there's plot. And I realize, I realize, I like that I've jumped two and a half pages ahead. Ooh. Yeah. And I'm like, this is a nightmare. You had to self-correct. And I had to figure out a way to weave it back. But that, that's my my biggest holy shit moment involving dialogue and lines with with the huge worst. stakes. And did you did you pull it off? I pulled it off, and no one was the wiser. Uh, the only person who would have known would have been Aaron himself, and he'd gone out to smoke a cigarette and missed it. Thank God. He must have been pretty excitable then too. Yeah, he's yeah. he's he's one of the he's one of the great. I mean, I, really, I interviewed him. He's real sober too. Yeah, like, yeah. He's real locked in. Yeah, he's the best. Well, I so like after the the controversy though. I mean, it doesn't seem like you stopped working, and it feels to me that that because of that, it gave you a, a, a sort of a, a, a weird opportunity to explore roles that you probably wouldn't have. One hundred percent. Like I mean, you could be whatever the fuck you wanted. Well, it removed a ton of pressure in that way. Um, it, you know, it also coincided with a really awkward like time for, for like traditional like leading men. Yeah, your um, mid to late twenties is tr- usually it's changed now because yeah. the business has changed a lot. But in those days, it was not a great time. Like you were too young really to play. 
charts with substance. Right. And, and you were too old to play the young ingenues that you've been playing. Yeah. So it sort of also coincided with a time that was going to be rough anyway. And then as, huh. I, as I got a little bit older, um, you know, more parts with a little more depth and a little more interesting started to come my way. And, and I think hosting Saturday Night Live, the, the first time I did it for sure – opened the door to the whole Mike Myers, Lorne Michaels, Wayne's World, Austin Powers, Tommy yeah. Boy yeah. sort of comedies that I did. So yeah, you were able to do like, you, you're you good at playing some weird, horrible version of yourself for comedic effect. One, 100%. 100%. But I remember that movie, uh, the Bad Influence. Oh, thank you. That was a good one. I like that one. That's a menacing movie. Man. That's a They're... really, talk about a movie that's before its time. And you were just sober then? Or a few no, years. it was right at the end. Because that's like that character's fucked up. Oh, it, it, it is the most demented movie, yeah. demented character, and I mean, and it was right at it was right when the video came out. Yeah, right. It was right, right at the height of my craziness. So, so culturally, you were a fucking sordid figure. Yeah, so I was living. Yeah. I was living the character. Yeah, and it's like, like oh, what was the the angle? The one scene I remember that like I can't get out of my mind because it like is when James Spader, the character who plays his brother, comes to the door and he's just like, "Yeah, could you just tell him I have the fear?" And you're like, "Go fuck you!" Yeah. Tell him I have the fear. Yeah, because he's high and he's yeah. fucked up, and you just slam the door in his face. But like, like remind me what the angle was. What you were? What... I, it was basically I was in uh, in in iteration of the devil. Right. Would, no. Would, yeah. Yeah. Right. But, the, but what was your what, what were you doing to Spader? Like you you how did you met him? You guys were friends, or I mean um, the character I, in the movie. I came up to him in a bar. Right. And he was telling me his sob story, and I just charm I charm myself right. into his life, and and the one thing that I that I get him to do because he's in a relationship right. to be engaged oh, yeah, you get him to this to fuck some, yeah. yeah and and it's clear he doesn't love her yeah but he should marry her and she's right. rich right. and he should do it but it's really clear he doesn't want to do it so I I get him to fuck some girl yeah and I film it right and then I go to the engagement party and he put, oh, yeah. and I put it on <laughs> for the family to see. <laughs> yeah. And and then he goes and he's like, What are you doing? And I go, I'm saving your life. <laughs> it's, it's such a great it's a it's a David Kep script. So David Kep yeah. then went on to write everything from Jurassic Park to Carlito's Way. He's one of the most renowned screenwriters in our business, but this was his very I think it was his first or second script. It's a crazy movie. Yeah, it's really, really that, fun. But now, but I imagine oddly that that you know because of the controversy surrounded you, and, and then you play this iteration of the devil, and there's a sex tape in the movie that that must have re ingratiated you to to Hollywood in some new way. They were sort of like, I don't know, this guy maybe we can uh, work with this. Well, you know, the the, the fallen Rob Lowe. Listen, I you know everybody loves a redemption story. Yeah, and I also think that you know. No matter who you are, if you ha- if you legitimately got it, you're always a threat. Oh yeah, yeah. You can just do it. You're always a threat. And, and you're and like, you keep your looks. You're not all beat up. No, and look, and everybody, like I said, everybody has their time in the barrel. There's there's being in the barrel for for you know something embarrassing, and then there's being in the barrel for doing something wrong, and that's that's a totally right, totally different you know thing. It's like you know I, I, I you know I just have having put my kids through. Through college, and, and both been, of them, both they're of done. Them, both of them are done. Wow. Um, one's in law school now, so he's not really officially done. 
Well, that's great. Yeah, and, and like I so I watched the this college admission scandal from afar and uh-huh. just and just go fuck. Oh my god, it's close m- call. Huh? Madness to watch that. Well, it's madness because there's like you know it's one of those things because you know how it happens. You know you you operate in the rare air of privilege and and you just go like this is what people are doing, so I'm going to do it. I mean, I guess. Right? I mean, I guess. I mean, I I would never dream of doing what these people are on wiretaps doing i would i would i mean look my my kids are really privileged they're lucky they they went to great schools i was able to pay for the the schools i was able to pay for um tutors so they already have such a leg up but my kids busted their ass and you and you made sure that they did that oh yeah no i i was very early on very very strict about academics And, and it starts immediately were you that way you weren't that way i was good in school yeah um, I liked school. I yeah. worked really hard. I was good in certain areas and not good in like math and all that stuff. But right. I was, I was, I was serious about school. I was. Yeah. Well, I mean, but that's well, that's good. I mean, you turned out to be a good parent somehow. Thank God you got sober. No, for sure. And my, it's my kids. My kids laugh because they can't imagine me taking a drink. You know. Oh really? They've never. They've seen, never you know, seen it. No. What, what a gift that is. I know. I Jesus. Mean, my, uh, you my, really got out young. That's like that's impressive. Yeah, I mean, so, it took me ten years more than you. To, and, and here's what you know: it takes what it takes. No, I know, I know. It's like it's <laughs> like it's you can't do it for. And the irony is, we think we did it for the girl. You mentioned your the girl in your life. I mentioned my wife, sure. But at the end of the day, the only reason we do it is for ourselves. Yeah. And and it. You can't do it for your job. Oh, yeah, you can't, I, you can't do, you can't do it for your court I, I, case. No, you can't do it for any of it. No, you, no, you got to be ready to do it, and yeah. it's got to it's got to click in. Yeah, it, you know, if it don't click in, it ain't going to click in. Yeah. No, I lost a girl. I made her horribly miserable. I just <laughs> like I went right from drugs to just draining her of her life force. And she, <laughs> she got out, and and in retrospect, I can't blame her. Amazing. <laughs> but, I, but I grabbed on, man. Yeah, I you, grabbed on. You take what you need. Yeah, it's uh, it's so all right. Now, what do you, how do you decide, I mean, you talk about, you know, kind of having a, a, a you know, you're the oldest guy, the white, the, the most knowledgeable on the set. You've been doing this a long time. You know, there, there are, you'll do TV, you'll do movies, you'll do whatever. I'll do, well, I will do whatever, but I'll do whatever. What, where do you draw the I, line? I will do whatever I feel is going to be an interesting experience uh-huh. or where what I feel like I can give will be additive. Okay. So do you turn down a lot? A lot. And is it usually small movies or just shitty parts or you don't know? It's just project to project. Dude, I turned down Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. It can be, so it can be a monstrous- the, For that's, an that's, arc or a regular thing? To play McDreamy. Oh, that, really? That's, that's, that's a minor, that probably cost me $70 million. <laughs> hey, <laughs> but you're it's not just worried. money. You're not thinking about but that. But you know what, but listen, at the end of the day, it was like- I watched it when it came out. I mean, yeah. when they started calling the handsome doctor McDreamy, I was like, yeah, that's not for me. Right. It's right. not for me. Yeah. But like you did, but the the comedy thing, you know, that was one of those things because you, you, I mean, you weren't really prone that way. I mean, No, but was, I was always a big comedy guy. It just, people didn't know. Like I, from from day, I can remember being thir- 12 and 13 and watching the, the first seasons of Saturday Night Live. Yeah. And then I would perform the right. sketches for my parents when yeah. they would wake up on Sunday mornings. So I was a comedy nerd. Right. From the get-go. I yeah. just had never had a chance to do any of it until 
until I until I hosted the show, which was a dream come true. And what was that coming off of? How'd you get the gig? You've done it a few times. I've right? done it. Th- I've done it three times. I did the. Uh, I did it in ninety off for Bad Influence. Ah. And then um, was I, that a hit movie? No. Critic, cr- critics loved it, and the audience just they. It was a little tiny release, t- terribly released. Yeah. I like, remember loving the movie. Yeah, it's it's real. It's a really good one. I'm. It's one of my. It's for sure one of my. If I had to pick two off the top of my head, it would be Bad Influence and About Last Night. But it's a comedy, though. You you. So when you that it all started with the relationship with Lauren and Mike. Yeah, with Lauren and Mike, and uh, and I remember working um, on Wednesdays. You go in with the writers on SNL and walking into Mike Myers' office. We'd never met. And him saying, do you want to do a Wayne's World sketch on the show or do you want to do Sprockets? And I was like, I hate Wayne's World. I think it's stupid. I want to do Sprockets, yeah. <laughs> which we did. And it yeah. was really fun. And then the irony that we would end up in Wayne's World is funny. So that's, so that's really what drives you is you want to have a new experience and a good time. Totally. But West Wing, that was, that was good. And that was, no, was not great. comedy, but that was really a community. That must have been a, uh, an amazing experience that was, for I, years. I Yeah, when I read that script, I mean, there, there are very few scripts that you read and just blow your doors off like that. Yeah. And also read a character where you go, um, I'm the only guy who can play this part. Yeah. And, and which, of course, is not true. But- that's what it feels like. I felt when that it, way about the wrestling show because so I'm glad that it didn't make it to you <laughs> that you were just an idea because you know. It, no, but there are parts like that. No, I know, I know. I, I don't have the range that you do, obviously. So if it's if the guy's kind of like me, I'm I'm good. Yeah, <laughs> that's listen. By the way, the, plenty of people made a great career in that in that yeah gear. Yeah, but you but I, I but you don't really. I mean, it's weird because you think you, you know. I think I know you. But you do a lot of stuff that it, it's not really you. I mean, you can definitely not be you. Oh, listen! And behind the candelabra, <laughs> that thing that, was that that's was me, crazy. That's dude. me at the far edges of my range. That thing, I love that movie. I've watched that thing like four or five times. Thank you. You're great in it, and like, and Michael Douglas. It's amazing. The movie. It's crazy. Crazy. Who are you talking to, Mumbles? It's just it's unbelievable. Oh my god, I look like my 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 father. I look like my mother, and what? No, no, Nanette. He's just out. Of, he's unbelievable. Damon was great, but your mm-hmm. character was like inspired because it was almost like a, a David Lynchian character. Like, what? Where, did was that a real guy? Is a real guy. Um. Their plastic surgeon, yeah, real plastic surgeon who was notorious for giving um, one of the first big famous botched face jobs in L.A. There was a very well-known realtor in L.A. who notoriously had a horrific face job done. Um, he and he's dead. He blew his brains out. He did. Uh, yep. There are no real photos of him, so I imagined that character. I, what happened was I got this offer. Yeah. And, and this is what's great about this business. I don't know Steven Soderbergh. I love him. Yeah. Never met him. Never had a general meet. Nothing. Yeah. Out of the blue, phone call. I want you to do this part in this movie. Great. Yeah. And I've been tr- I've been tracking the movie just as a fan. Right. Because the notion of the movie sounds so mental. Yeah. And so I sat there and like, I'm a competitive, I'm competitive. Yeah. And I come from ensembles. Outsiders was an ensemble. St. Elmo's Fire was an ensemble. West Wing was an ensemble. And the keys to ensemble is you better fucking plant your flag or you're going to get eaten alive. Really? Yes. Fuck yeah. You need to be a team player. Right. But you also need to get your numbers. Yeah. 
You know what I'm saying? Kind of. You need to get your touches. Yeah. As they say. I know you're right. not a sports guy, but right. I'm giving you some sports vernacular. Well, no, I, I like to know this because, uh, you know, because I was recently in an ensemble movie and I realized, like, y- you know, I had to figure out what my place was in it. It's it's an orchestra and what are you going to play? Right. Are you going to... And by the way, sometimes you're going to play under. Like, yeah. like I'm going to just... I'm just going to do a low bass riff. Right. You know, just be in the pocket yeah. the whole time. Yeah. Or I understand these metaphors, right? Yeah. Or, or you're like, you know what? I'm cr- I'm putting the f- squawk box on it, and I'm gonna blast it. Yeah. So I figure I got Michael Douglas, who's a genius. Yeah. Playing Liberace. Yeah. And 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 Matt Damon, who's also one of the great actors. Yeah. In butt tight velour shorts and fro- and with frosting on his <laughs> hair. Yeah. Like I, I got to bring my A game. <laughs> so. I concocted this character and this look. Yeah. And I- You came up with that look? 100%. I, well, I called Soderbergh beforehand and I said, listen, um, I think the tone is pretty clear from reading the script, but I just want to ask you, like, I have an idea, but it's a really big swing. Uh-huh. Are you down for that? And he was like, oh, swing away. Yeah. I was like, great. And you didn't even have to pitch him? I just showed up like that. With the hair? Yep. And in, and, the, you, and the t- and I had um, you have weird teeth. I had hair. I had teeth, and I also had um, they were they had taped my skin back, oh, like yeah, in my right. eyes and forehead and neck, so it looked like I had a bad facelift. Right, and you you seemed almost drugged out. It was a little drugged out, and it, and, he, and he looked very sort of metro. So I kind of wanted to cut against that because the other guys are so openly gay. Yeah. So I used the voice from the guy I used to do the men's. The, remember the men's? Uh, what, what was it? Uh, men's warehouse. Oh, remember yeah. the men's warehouse commercials? Yeah, I kind of the guy did. like I'm the me- you're gonna like the way you look. Yeah. Remember that guy? Yeah. So yeah. I just stole that voice. <laughs> you're gonna like the way you look. So I thought it was funny to look like a woman. Yeah. Basically, right. But to have that voice, yeah. I thought the California diet. You yeah. lose twenty pounds in ten days. And did you? Did you? Because. The movie's not really a comedy, but it's not. It's but it, it's hilarious. It is. I, I, it does have that tone. You yeah. know, there's definitely moments where, and that that character was so like out there that you know it definitely provided that. It also it also proved to me that the old adage that it isn't about the size of the part because I in all of the work that I've done in my career, yeah, for my peers, that part w- one billion percent was the part. Like yeah. in terms of, you know, you're walking down the street and Spike Lee runs across traffic to hug you or whatever. It's, really? It's, for for it, that? It's, a, it's around that part. Yeah. People lost their minds. No kidding. Yeah. Because they'd never seen you do anything like that. I honestly think people didn't think it was me until the credits. Wow. I'm pretty sure. And I, a lot of people didn't. Yeah, that's that's great. It was definitely an inspired part. I'm having that experience with fucking, uh, have you watched any True Detective? Oh, yeah, yeah. With Dorf? Yeah. What the I know, fuck? Right? I didn't even know it was him for half the first episode. I'm like, who the, where'd this guy come Isn't from? Isn't it great when you when you see somebody like or like um in in Starsborn when you see uh you know the the comic Dice Andrew Dice Clay? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he can like, act. Yeah. yeah, you're like, wait, I, I love. I, listen, when people reinvent themselves, it's it's the best thing ever. And you know, no matter who you are, you gotta reinvent yourself like every decade. I swear to God you do. So tell me more of these these acting tips. Like the so in an ensemble you've gotta figure out how you're gonna stand out. You gotta. I mean it's I mean finding that right nexus of being a team player, supporting your other actors, serving the story. And by the I'm, this is not about scene stealing. Yeah. 
although it is. Um, it's not a, it's not about sandbagging your other people. You're building them up. You're there to support them, but you're you're bringing it. But you don't want to be steamrolled. You don't, you, dude. I, I don't want to sit there with Michael Douglas and Matt Damon and get my hat handed to me. How would it's not that happen? But how would that happen? Has that happened to you? Where you're in a scene and you're like, I just got buried. Um, uh, it happened. I remember it happening to me once um, in class, and I did a scene with Cliff Robertson. Now Cliff Robertson's got an Oscar. Yeah, you know what I mean. Sure. And for playing Hef, who what did he, he get the Oscar play, for? Oh, wasn't he great in that movie, great dude? In movie. That movie is the best. Yeah, Star Eddie's quite a movie. The best. Oh my god, Eric Roberts really was something. The best. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of my favorites. I could quote every line from that movie. I love that movie. Yeah. Um, but no, he won it for Charlie, where he plays the guy who mentally regresses. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, older f- movie based on the book Flowers for Algernon. Um. And in class, I had to tell him that that I, I forget what the scene even was, but he w- was hearing that his ma- his wife, my mother, was going to go into a mental institution or something, and he just wiped the floor with me. Oh yeah, I just sat there with him and got oh okay, <laughs> so that's how it's done. <laughs> I was twenty. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to let that happen again. And he wasn't even breaking a sweater. Nothing. No. Yeah. Yeah. Th- those guys, like I talked to Jeff Daniels about it. Uh, he he said, you got to, you know, these those older dudes, those actors, the big actors, they have like, the, they know exactly what to do with their face. It, 100%. It's your face, your eyes. I had uh, dinner with Michael Caine this year, who famously has a lot of great acting. His book, if you haven't read it, yeah. he's got great acting. His n- new book, um, blowing the doors off yeah is all about this it's amazing and you know his thing is all about where you look in their in, in your other actor's eye yeah. like it's very broken down into the into t- the technique of it which is a big part of it because they're for fi- this is for film acting for really. film acting but, yeah. but there's also the same technique for for theater it's mm-hmm. just a different technique but you know very few actors have the experience the talent and the technique yeah and when you have that you're a monster and you feel like yours is all tight. Just look. What's the thing about fifty thousand hours? Sure. Right. I'm you, way over that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm way I thought over it was that. Ten thousand. Is it fifty now? I think it might be fifty. So what's the plan, man? So are you gonna are you gonna shoot the uh, one man show? So um, I haven't. That people have talked about it. I haven't decided yet. I mean, yeah. you know, maybe there'll be a residency in Vegas, which would be really fun. Because you could um, just fly out there. Just fly out and do it. Yeah. I, I love doing it. I mean, it just- What's the hotel you're doing at? Um, the first one I'm doing is Planet Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And then I'm doing, I think I'm going to do Caesars after that. So uh, like a residency would be what, three nights a week? Right. I don't know. We, I guess like, you can figure I'm, it out. Fri- what, we have Friday, Friday, two shows Friday, two shows Saturday. Sure. You know, um, and then I have a, a new uh, limited series called Wild Bill. Um, that that I shot for ITV. That'll be uh, probably on Hulu or or Netflix. The Western. Is, it's um. It is not a Western. I play an American law enforcement analytics specialist who takes the job nobody wants to run the uh, Boston Lincolnshire Police Department. Boston Lincolnshire is in the middle of England, the home of Brexit. Yeah. And do you uh, do British? Are you it's American? A fish out, I'm, Amer- I'm American. Oh, okay. It's a fish out of water crime drama and it's awesome i just finished doing it and you had fun doing that it's yeah and it came out great and then and what about movies any movies uh let's see what's happening with i have a movie on netflix um a holiday movie coming out um next christmas which is really fun shot entirely in africa it's really romantic really 
Um, and I am negotiating and likely to do um, a movie with the director who did Rudy oh, and yeah. Hoosiers, two of my favorite sports movies. Hoosiers, great. Great. And it's the story of Carol Rosenblum, the uh, who is one of the original owners of the NFL. And it's basically the story about the creation of the NFL. Oh, as, really? As told through his eyes. Who's And that's you. And I'd be Carol Rosenblum, yeah. And then, of course, uh, Mental Samurai. And then, the, as you call it, the arm. What do you? It's genius. Arm. You, you call it the arm show. Yeah, it's the arm show. The giant arm. It's the giant, dude. It's it's addicting. Sure, people like uh, they don't they don't want to be. You know, if you're just challenging them with questions, and there's an amusement park ride, it's great. They I mean, to, that's what I want. Yeah, <laughs> that's it's all anybody wants, Rob. All anybody wants. Thanks for talking, man. That was great. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. That was Rob Lowe. The show is Mental Samurai on Fox. Tuesday nights on Fox. Also, go to WTFPod.com slash tour for uh, all those upcoming dates in the UK. I believe there's some tickets left for uh, for uh, London, Birmingham, Salford, Dublin, but not many. So go there, WTFPod.com slash tour for all the upcoming dates in San Diego, St. Louis, Madison, wherever. All right? All right, good. I'm going to get ready to perform. I might go get something to eat. All right? You want to buy a house? Huh? How about a house? Boomer lives! Boomer lives!